I'm so relieved this moment has come because it's been agony over the last few weeks. I've written out reams and reams and reams and now it's just down to the Holy Spirit as to what's going to come out and what is important and what is not. But remember the fork. All right. Hopefully I'll bring this up again later and explain about the fork, but just remember the fork. So, a season of the soul. When I looked at, at this, am I too close to that? Um, when I, I looked at the passage, there's so many of these times that could apply to what I'm going to talk about, except the born and die. Not up to that yet, but the plant and a time to uproot, tear down and a time to build, time to weep, time to laugh, time to mourn, a time to dance, um, a time to embrace, a time to refrain, time to search, a time to give up. All these are terribly appropriate. <laughs> Um, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to mend, a time to tear. Um, I'm still working on the time to be silent and the time to speak, but, but this is the time to speak. <laughs> if I kept a bit more silent, I'd get into a lot less, less trouble. A time to love, and I haven't got to the, the time to, to hate, thankfully. Um, well, what I thought, I'd, I have listened to all the other speakers in, that, in this season, apart from Anne Osborne's, and mine is, is going to be very different. I do have to warn you about that now, because the season that I want to talk about is, um, is my love life. But uh, you're not going to get the whole of it, because otherwise you'll be here all week. So I'm just picking bits out. Is the mic, should I stand away from the microphone? Closer, closer to the microphone. Okay, I can, I can do that. I can do that. Um, yes, you'd, you'd be here all week if I went into every single relationship. But um, I have a little saying that I quip every now and then that Chris doesn't like really very much. But I'm up here now, and he's down there, so <laughs> I can say what I like. And it is when someone saw my garden, the new garden that we've got in front, I said, oh, you must get another dog. My immediate reply would be, I, I only have dogs between husbands. <laughs> so, so you see, that doesn't always go down very well with some of Chris's friends. A lot of my friends know, but yes, I have had a few husbands. Sounds awful, doesn't it? But no, Chris is number three. I haven't talked about this before in public, people that know me know my story and um, before you jump to any conclusions um, I might say some really funny things and some really trite things but a lot of stuff happened so long ago that it's been a nightmare for me digging it all back up again and, and looking at each marriage and analysing where God was in there and, and what, what exactly happened because it's all it's so far away, it's all done and dusted and hey, we're all forgiven, aren't we? We stand before the throne with, with white robes on. So I've got tissues on each side of my bra. I might stop and blub, but we're used to that from the Thanksgiving service yesterday. Um, the, other, the verse that immediately springs to, to mind is the Romans 8. It, it was one of the few verses that Jonathan didn't mention yesterday but it's in that passage um, in Romans 8 and it's verse 28 and we know that in all things 
God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And I can see that all the way through my timeline. Or as my first husband Pete would put it, whatever she falls in, she'll come up smelling of roses. And I can see that, although that sounds a really trite thing to say, I can actually see that in my life as well. And I don't want you to think that my whole life has been a turmoil of relationships and marriages and hurt and divorces and, and stuff like that, because it hasn't. We're talking about some things, you know, that happened 48 years ago. <laughs> and the majority of my, you know, most of my life has been fabulous. I've, I've got four lovely children. I've had amazing jobs. I'm a, a child of the man. That says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, most of my life has just gone smoothly. But there are, there are these seasons, and, and these are the seasons that I feel called to, to share with you because not many people do share that sort of thing. All of us will know people that have been divorced, that have made mistakes. All of us will have, whether, whether it's your grandchildren, whether it's your own children, this is you know, a fact of life. So I hope you take away some, some of the advice that I learned and some things that I learned sort of through all this as, as well. Apart from the fork, there's another little thing I've, uh, I've brought with me. I can put that, that down now. And, uh, and it's this that was sent by someone from my church to Jackie, who was Chris's late wife, who was a missionary from, from my church, um, when, she, when they knew that she had secondaries and she was going through that last period of her life. And it's called Faith in the Arms of Jesus. Some of you might know this one. When Jesus holds your hand, he holds you tight. When Jesus holds you tight, he leads you through life. When Jesus leads you through life, he brings you safely home. And that might not necessarily mean our heavenly home, but it might mean a safe, secure place. And we all need a safe, secure place. The other thing that's very memorable is a little thing that that Chris and I heard a visiting vicar um, say at a church in Lindhurst in the New Forest years ago. And it was, God knows me. God loves me, God has a plan, I will trust him. And and some of these things just through life just just stick with you. Um, In between husbands I shared a a small house um, with another Christian friend of mine and her motto was value yourself and that's been important through my life as well. And uh, you know the, the page of all Steve's quotes that he loved to quote at the end of the, the Thanksgiving you know, service sheet. I thought it was great, and I thought it was a good way to start, and Chris came up with this this morning. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll just leave those, leave those things with you. Um, so, Chris is my, my third husband, after a, a very big, long 15-year gap, but it all started when I was about 20 in my last year at, at uni, at teacher training. I was a, a PE teacher and then went on to, to teach other things. And uh, Peter was... I've, I've decided to sort of split up the two marriages, maybe not much about the last one, because that's still a work in progress, isn't it, Chris? <laughs> um, sort of who, who he was, how we met, what the marriage was like, how it ended, and where God was um, in that. But let me remind you, these are just little pinpoints. 
in, in my life. The rest has, has all just been marvellous. So Peter was about 10 years older than me. I, I knew of him because he was part of the youth group that I went to in North Finchley. Very thriving, big teenage and, and young adult um, youth group. And um, he was engaged to one of the other lasses there. He was a college lecturer at Hornsey, the infamous Hornsey Art College. I don't know if you remember all the sit-ins. A few nods of the head there. Yeah. Ten years older than me, and I was completely swept off my feet. I just didn't know what hit me. From the first time I went out with him, and I only went out with him because he had the nerve to ask me out when I was sitting on the settee next to my long-term boyfriend who was being crooned over by somebody else. Dad always used to joke, oh, has the vicar rung the bell? Because we'd all swap round and, and, <laughs> and have another boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was Cliff Richard's church, actually, in yeah. We didn't see him that often, obviously, but, but yeah, there was a big social scene. So, you know, a lot of us, I was in, in college in between Canterbury and Dover, and a lot of us came up to London for, for the social life in, in the week, uh, at the weekends. So that's who he was. Um, drove an amazing old Jag that he'd just done up and it was that beautiful, I don't know if you know anything about car colours but I've always been fond of the tobacco leaf rover colour and he'd, he'd done the Jag up but he'd, he'd done the, the Jag up with the most beautiful walnut fascia and, and stuff like that and just being a lecturer when I was just a student was enough to, you know, to blow me away. What I didn't realise was that he'd done the Jag up because there were long periods of time when he wasn't allowed to drive because of his drinking And because I was just so incredibly infatuated by this this chap, you know, they say, you know, love is blind. It's not only blind, it it can be absolutely stupid, completely illogical, completely nonsensical, completely all-consuming. I I came home and I said to one of my my best friends that I want to marry that man. I, I was just totally consumed with passion for this, for this fella. So consequently, I can quite understand how that sort of love can sort of grip and can cause affairs and, you know, all sorts of things. And it was, it was actually quite sort of frightening. And uh, much to the amazement of a lot of Pete's friends, we did get married. They all thought, you know, Pete's not the, the marrying kind, you know, at all. They knew him a lot better than I did. I sort of... Barely, barely knew him and comparing him with what I, I knew about Chris who I'd known about in church for 30 years because he was the husband of a missionary you know you, you know the track record you know, both husbands Pete and Mike the next one you know I can honestly say I didn't know all the background you know you don't, you don't know these, these things until you're um, actually there and you're, you're living together so and that was an absolute whirlwind. Um, a relationship, how was, the, how was the marriage? Exciting, fun, tumultuous, stressful. One minute was passion, next minute we were shouting at each other. It was really stressful, really, you know, sort of hard work, but there was sort of fun in it as well. And I knew things were going to go wrong when one New Year's Eve and we were thinking about what was happening in the next year he announced that he didn't want to have children and that hadn't been part of the, the plan at all and 
I knew I adored children. I was really good with children. I was a real sort of family sort of person. And I thought, how am I going to cope with that? And that, you know, just made me start to think a, a little bit. And then the drinking got worse. And then the staying out at night got, got worse. And it was pretty obvious that, that something was going on. And it was another student, totally different to me. And in fact, my, my next husband, who again had an affair, chose someone who was totally physically, I don't know what relevance this has at all, but totally physically different um, to me, and it was quite bizarre. Um, and I, I didn't get divorced for a long time, but I got a good financial settlement thanks to our divorce laws and had enough to um, get together a deposit to buy my own flat. And being a, a teacher in Barnet and Daddy being a, a minister and being president of the Rotary and the borough treasurer being not only one of his deacons but one of his Rotarians, I got the last Barnet mortgage, probably in the country, the last teacher's council mortgage, which was an amazing blessing because one thing after another, house sale after house sale, I can afford to move down here and have some capital. So I can see God's hand in, in all sorts of things and I can see what I'd been saved from in a way with, with that marriage but when that sort of came to the end it was like, well, you know, what now and, and what is that sort of love all about that, that consumes you and I honestly didn't want to have that again knowing that you just don't see what's what's going on and you don't listen to what your parents say they weren't keen on me marrying Peter obviously but you know went alongside it then I had to deal with a few difficult things that were said afterwards the the I told you so didn't necessarily you know hurt that much but uh, when my father said that well I think I must have been moaning about something or other and he said well think about how we feel in our position that really hit home because I wanted to say, "Hang on, this is this is about me." But I managed to, to cope with that, and we were talking about that at the, the James Bible study last night, talking about the power of words. And uh, I thought, "Gosh, if, if we could only see people with Jesus's eyes, and we see what's beyond them, I can quite understand why my father said that. He was old school Spurgeon's College Baptist minister, you know, of an age and of an era where." status and because of his upbringing and all his baggage you know that that's what caused him to say that and that doesn't need to affect me for for the rest of my life I'm, I'm one of those sort of people that the glass is half full I'm, I'm the positive you know one that I can you know count my blessings and and move on and, and that's been you know a great a great help as having in that gap just the love and the care of Christian friends and Christian couples in, in the church. That um, I went to a local church because of the preacher. It was a URC. I didn't understand much, much about that and I didn't like some of, some of the things, but the preaching was, was really good. And one married couple from the old Finchley youth group and an, another married couple from the, um, from the local church really took me under their wing and I can't stress how important that is and how important it is for us to look after the singles in our, in our fellowships and have them for lunch and take them on holiday and, and, and do whatever because that was you know, such a, a great ministry for me. 
And I got to the stage after sort of I swapped jobs and, and teaching jobs and ended up in the, the Fit Form College where I, I met my next husband, Mike. Um, but I got to the stage when I thought, well, my life doesn't have to be unfulfilled because I don't have a husband and a children, because there's children out there being thrown away. You know, there's so many possibilities. And, and if God has put that love and that sort of, you know, passion in my heart, then he'll show me a, a, a way through that. And it wasn't until I got all that sorted out that, that Mike came along into my life. And he came along as a, a really good platonic friend. He was head of physics. I, I was head of the recreation program. So I was actually part of his interview panel when, when Dr. Crimes came for the post of head of physics. He had to get past me as well as to what he could offer on the recreation program at the Sixth Form College. Um, we laughed at his name, Crimes, but then we also had a bogey on the staff and we had a lettuce on the scarf and, and Mr. Schools was head of boys PE and yeah, the, the line-up for cricket on staff cricket, so Crimes didn't matter quite, <laughs> quite so much at, at, at that time. And he was, yeah, but he, he was a platonic friend because he was happily married. We had some staff parties around at his place. I'd met his wife a, a couple of times and nothing was further from my mind, the fact that there should be, although a couple of people, a couple of staff I remember said, oh, you shouldn't be worrying about Ivan, it's my crimes you should be worried about. And I, I just poo-pooed that. Sometimes you just hear what you want to hear. Do you know that? And other things, and sometimes however much People are, I, I said to Chris this morning, I think I, sometimes I think I've gone through life with some sort of naive head in the clouds and I just haven't noticed things. But, but the other good thing about that is that I don't always remember the bad things. And my kids might say, do you remember when you did this or do you remember when I did that? And I don't remember at all because they were the bad things and I don't need to remember those. Some of these things are a real gift, you know, that I'm, I'm really pleased to have. But it was a really good, solid friendship we, but with a lot of staff. We all went to the teacher's centre. There was a lot of young staff and it was a, a great, you know, sort of network. And then he came to me one evening and said that his wife had had a, an affair and chucked him out and was all sorrow and, and what have you. And he, I was sharing with a, another Christian friend, the, the friend that said, value yourself. And she had bunk beds in her room, so I went on the top, top bunk, and he stayed for a little while while he sorted him, himself out. And, um, and then it seemed to, to get sorted. It was obviously, you know, not, not living with her. And he came and told me about his divorce and that he had divorced her, no, she had divorced him, although she was the one that was having the affair because she didn't want that against her name and he wasn't at all bothered in the slightest. So uh, he just said that he'd, had a, an, uh, he'd committed adultery with an unknown female and just made up a, a date. And I said to him, well, how, how can you, you do that when it's not true? And he said, well, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. She wants, the, she wants the divorce, you know, I can sleep at night, I've just, you know, done that. Any, anyway, again, nothing sort of clicked, I didn't sort of look back on that and think that's a little bit strange. Because then one, one day he just said, you know, I've fallen madly in love with you. And I said, no. And, and again, it was like, what? 
Yeah, I, I was really angry because that was not on the cards. He was just, he was another member of staff. And I thought, I don't, I don't feel like that. I, I didn't even fancy him physically. I don't know about you, but I've always had a certain sort of look that I would go for. And it's a Hugh Grant type, <laughs> which, was, which was Peter and, and possibly Chris. <laughs> And this one was the Colin First type, you know. Right. So, not saying he wasn't, he was ugly or anything, he wasn't, he was very good looking, but it, it wasn't an immediate physical attraction, which again I found quite refreshing because of what happened the last time, you know, which was just crazy overtaking my whole brain with this infatuation thing. I, went, I phoned my dad and I said, my best friend, one of my, my real soulmates, someone I really share everything with, all about various boyfriends, they've just fallen in love with me. What am I supposed to do? There was a big, long silence at, at the other end. And then I realised I had to say, actually, this is a male person. Because <laughs> I think he thought that Sue that I shared with or someone else thinking suddenly thought there was a, an extra factor here in, into this relationship and, and that's sort of very sensibly I lost my mum when I was about 25 so that was in between husband one and two sorry I know this sounds really trite and it's not meant to because what happened you know obviously really hurt um, but uh, he said well just let it develop and, and see, see what happens and to me, one of, one of the most important things, apart from a love and a physical attraction, which I didn't have, and I mean, he was my soulmate, he was the best friend, I thought that was much, much better than this all-consuming love for somebody that I didn't really know or I didn't really sort of see. Maybe it was his car, <laughs> who knows. But um, Dad said, you know, see what, see what develops. So mega wooing went on. Um, such that I'd never sort of seen before and yeah we, we eventually did get married and, and had 20, 20 odd years of fabulous married life four kids very quick successions 16 months between them I had them all under five for a, a couple of months we, I carried on working because we both worked at the sixth form college and grandma was just around the corner, his mum. And it was an ideal situation, you know, to have nannies and everything. And I, I managed to... He, he wasn't a Christian, that's the other thing. Pete was a Christian. He'd become a Christian when he was engaged to this other lass. Because I, I remember that time, because it was quite tumultuous, that, you know, an amazing happening that this 30-year-old art lecturer had become a, a Christian through Anne. So, yeah, having married a Christian, here, here was I, you know, about to marry a, a non-Christian. And when I said to Dad, you know, is, isn't there a problem that he's a, a non-Christian? And Dad's surprising reply was, well, don't worry about it. He's a natural. And I thought, well, that, that's a bit odd. I bet you wouldn't tell your sort of parishioners there. And I, I did have the feeling maybe he was more interested in the PhD doctor side of, of my husband because again he was the sort of person that he would always introduce Mike to people as doctor crimes it was never this is my son-in-law Mike it was always the PhD coming and, and Mike the, the other thing that he used to say was Mike is so refreshingly unambitious because he was a physics a physics oh there goes the thought he was a physics teacher 
you know, as opposed to in, he, he did his PhD on getting gold out of the ground and was sponsored by Rio Tinto Zinc, who you, you might have heard of. So it was quite big stuff, could have really, you know, made a, a name for himself, but he was just a brilliant teacher. And, um, again, I had to sort of, you know, deal with all, all that sort of thing, and, and that was a, a bit surprise. Um, but again, you know, people, people say things, they don't always mean it, they might, there's something in the background behind it that's made them sort of say that sort of thing, and the older you get, the more you can rationalise, you know, some, some of these things. Um, so I, I was busy in the church, and, and Mike was great at, at facilitating and, and enabling me to do things in the church, and I set up a, a group that I called Spiritually Single, which was for married couples where one of the partners wasn't a Christian. And we just met once a month. And it was just a support group, prayer group, sharing ideas, praying for each other. And then uh, Billy Graham came to Earl's Court. And I think I looked it up and I think it was about 89, something like that. And I was counselling, but Mike came along, must have been with Sally, the the little one, because she was in his, his arms. And the person that took us just... We had, they had tickets right at the very back and Alice just stormed to the front with Mike and a few other people and went straight in the front row and, and it was amazing there just happened to be no one else no one came and said those are my tickets and there they were in the most ideal place for any of them to go forward and Mike actually went forward it was the, the, rich, run, run, the rich young ruler that, that got him that Billy Graham sort of preached about and it was just so thrilling to see that and had a terrific baptismal service and half of the staff were, were there. And funny enough, the Christians on the staff were all from the science side, not the, not the English and the humanities side, which, which was interesting. I suppose they can all see the order in creation, can't they, and the, and the evidence for it. Yet I think if you're on the art side of things, maybe it's more an expression of yourself rather than dealing with the, the magnitude of God. Um, and he became a, a church member. Um, it, that put me in a really, really difficult situation, um, you know, because it's it's not so easy to nurture your husband, and whether it was the PhD or what, because he, he was very quiet. We were like chalk and cheese, personality-wise. Um, whether they found his academia um, you know, challenging or what have you, but, but no one really got alongside him. And yes, sermons are interesting and academic and, and stuff like that. And it's, it's always very difficult when you've gone from one minute to doing you know, Bible study and quiet times on your own to sort of you know, sharing that. And um, in retrospect, I can see that had I had more support and advice and, and you know, what have you. So since I've become very precious about marriages, and especially Christian marriages, because I know, you know, people actively, Satanists and what have you, actively pray against Christian marriages. So, you know, I'm not shy about going up to married couples and say, do you pray together and and things like that, because um, having, you know, met Chris, being, you know, such a fine Christian that the whole thing has just been, you know, completely different and it's such a blessing. So the marriage ended after, as I say, sort of 20 years when all three of the four children were about to take public exams. My eldest, Alice, was about to take her A-levels um, and then Robin was in the lower six. 
Sophie was about to take her GCSEs and Sally was about to take her SATs exams then. And uh, things have been a, a little bit different sort of since Christmas, but they were all things that you could put down to something else. You know, somebody's age, stress at work. He'd by this time gone up into senior manager and um, the person that was supposed to do um, all the enrolling and, and the numbers and the admissions for the college, which of course has to be done at the last minute after A-level, after GCSE results have to be done. She had an aneurysm two days before the start of term. So Mike that was on something else on the exams had to swap over and do that job as well. And they brought in a young secretary to help him out to sort of do, do that. And that was the... The, the downfall and uh, to cut a long story short uh, um, over that he just fell madly in love with the young secretary with the young child and we were both about 50 and I don't know if you know about the midlife crisis but if you look at the textbook that is classic the senior manager with the young secretary who has the, the young child and when he actually say came out with it, he brought her along on a, on a uh, teaching PE. I used to organise huge, great ski trips with families and, and things like that. And he brought her along as, as one of these things. And it was pretty obvious to a lot of other people what was what was going on. And it sort of came to a head afterwards. I mean, yeah, absolutely stupid. Just lost all sense of you know, sensibility and intelligence, some of the things, you know, that, that he did because he was in this position. That when he finally came out with it, that he was having an affair, my immediate reaction was to laugh. I said, don't be so stupid. You know, that, that's ridiculous. I mean, you might as well have said, I've decided to become a giraffe. You know, it, to me, it was that silly but someone like him that I've been married to for 20 years, who was salt of the earth, Mr. Nice Guy, Mr. Highly Respectable in the community. If anything nasty had to be done and staff had to be told to do something, the principal would get Mike to do it because people would respond to it. You know, he was that, he was that sort of guy. And uh, I just thought that was hilarious. You know, I almost didn't, didn't believe it. Um, and then, you know, of course, the penny dropped and, and this actually, you know, had happened. And uh, having felt that infatuation with, with Pete, I realised what hold and, and what could have happened, you know, with, with, that, with that sort of thing. And um, for, for quite a few days, or maybe a couple of weeks, I don't remember too much, um, once I knew he wouldn't stay in the house overnight, so once the kids were in bed and they turned in early, they were all taking exams. This was after the Easter holidays, so their exams were all, you know, starting, looming in. He'd put some clean underwear in a polythene bag and go out through the basement door. So I was faced with in the morning, where's Dad? So I'd get up early and run the shower so the bathroom was all steaming and leave his towel on the floor and go down and get some breakfast sort of stuff to, to pretend to the kids that which was it was exam time so it was reasonable that he would have been out of the house be, you know before they went sort of anyway and I also had as, as well as my daytime teaching at further education college I've moved on from PE then and I, I wasn't at the sixth form college I was at Barnet College teaching adults with special needs which was an amazing job that I just absolutely loved um, I was able to drop that and carry on with it just for the few weeks while I sorted myself out 
Um, but I had a big childminding business that was before and after school, after I'd got the, the three el eldest kids off to secondary school. I had to go to the other side of Muswell Hill with one kid and a huge, great big car. So I started a before and after school childminding business for kids at, at school in the holidays, and, and it was great. And of course, I couldn't just drop those kids. So I dropped them off at, at school, and it was, the weather was getting nice, so I could put dark glasses on, and then I'd walk the dog um, in between, uh, you know, going home in the woods, and I'd be on the phone to my minister, I'd be on the phone to, um, to, to friends, and, um, and then I got hold of an organisation called Parent Line Plus. It's now called Family Lives. And you can look it up. It's got big websites. And it's not one of these counselling things that says, well, my dear, how do you feel about that? They actually give you advice. And when I explained about what a stress this was and how can I keep this from the children, she said, don't, don't be daft. You don't have to. Get him to explain to the children what happened. You know, get, get him to call a family meeting and get you all together and he can tell the children what he's done. I thought, yes, yes, that's, you know. It was so good to have somebody telling me what to do as opposed to, you know, because I had enough to do with four kids doing exams and the household and the childminding business and everything else. And once they'd gone to bed, then I could, I could sit down. And the other thing I found really helpful, I've just seen the Jennifer Reese Larkin book at the back. She, she went through divorce and, and she wrote a, a fabulous book all about it. And a friend that had recently been divorced lent me a whole load of books. She didn't want to. She said, it's too early. These are all about divorce and this has only just happened. You shouldn't really read these. But I found going to bed with other people's experience in front of me that I could read and I could think, mm, no, I don't feel, I don't feel like that. Oh, did they do that? No, I'm not going to do that. You know, hundreds, thousands of people have gone through this sort of nightmare scenario and who am I not to cash in on other people's experience? That's one of the things, you know, that I've really learned, you know, self-help books and, and, and other people's experience has just been, you know, so valuable to me because I, I had something to check off against how I felt. Um, he had a, called a family meeting. They all went in thinking, whatever is this. And, and he said, it's, it's nothing to do with your mother. She's been a great mum, she's been an amazing wife this is all to do with me this is absolutely what has happened to me and I've fallen in love with someone else and when he told them who it, it was that he'd fallen in love, this woman on this ski trip that had bought them drinks even though they'd been underage and everything else, you know they were completely hor horrified but anyway, at least then it was out of the bag and we could, and we could move on, you know, together as a, as a family but where God was in all of this was like just amazing because it was like the church all grieving over Steve who I hardly knew and I, I just felt the whole church grieving for this situation sorry I'm, I thought I might blub but you know coming into a church meeting or a prayer meeting or something like that I could actually feel the love and feel what other people were feeling because this was a this happened to a big church family this, this didn't happen in church we don't have divorce in church and you know all, all this sort of thing but that meant so much but what was particularly amazing was my complete change of attitude I found myself praying for him in a, in a church meeting which was just sort of 
unheard of. I mean, my prayer would have been, Lord, please let his legs drop off. May her house be full of dog poo and may his car have vanished overnight. You know, that would have been my prayer. But I was thanking God for 20 years of happy marriage and for the family and, 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 and all this sort of thing. You know, I pray something and I think, who said that? Where, where did that come from? You know, and the ability to cover up things so that the kids didn't get hurt. You know, and stuff like that just wasn't within my human nature. And again, we were talking about this when we were studying James last night, um, about how the Holy Spirit can just take over the, the awfulness of, of human nature. And where, whereas I would be bitter and twisted and, and what have you, you know, this wasn't supposed to happen, Lord. I was counting my blessings and even able to say to the kids, even the youngest, Sally, you're 14. You know, some kids lose their parents at, you know, two or three. Some people have never known their, da- their dads. You know, let, let's think positively. You're, you know, you're all nearly adults and, and you've had a great dad and it's been super. He was a hands-on dad because we were both working. He did as much in the house and with the childcare as, as I did. It wasn't a case of... There were a few men's jobs, because I knew if I picked up a drill, I wouldn't have an excuse anymore to say that shelf needs, needs fixing. But, um, and, uh, and sort of so it, so it went on. But that, you know, the, the, the love from the church and the support from the church and the, the, the reading books, and, and also as part of a triplet, um, I don't know if you've heard about triplets for, for prayers. I set them up in the church and there was uh, three of us and yeah, we've been together for sort of 20 odd years and although we've, two of us have moved away now, we, we still meet up. And these, these Christian things have, have been a, a real support and, uh, and a real rock to me. And uh, yeah, as human beings we fail. Um, but these have just been tiny little pinpoints you know, in my life. So the fork comes in, just seen the fork. The fork comes in with an organisation called the DRW, Divorce Recovery Workshop. I'd well recovered. And I think because of my positive nature and everything else, and I was so busy looking after the, the kids and um, with, with my two jobs and, and stuff like that. Um, but a, a Christian locally started a, a, a divorce recovery workshop and I went to help as a, a facilitator. And you get a packet, it's like an alpha course, so you watch a video and then you sit around in groups and you chat. And they form a social group from it as well because there's only so many people for so long that you can ear all about your divorce and how you feel and poor me. So to have a completely different separate circle of, of friends is, is really handy. So you get a pack with notes and things and a plastic fork inside it. And that is because, it, not so much now, but in the olden days when it was harvest supper, they'd say, Lee, keep your fork because dessert is coming. So this is the, the best is yet to come the fork <laughs> so that's what the fork is about the best the best is yet to come and he's sitting over there with the with the white beard um it's time's going so i won't go into how i met chris um suffice to say i i wasn't wooed like mike i was i was interviewed but if you want more information <laughs> about that <laughs> you can you can have that that later but yeah i've i've learned a, a lot but God had a plan, and I trusted him. I stayed strong 
throughout and these are just little blips and it's been painful going back because it's all been dealt with you know, but it's actually been a really it's been very therapeutic and cathartic going over things I, I knew I'd been dealt with and, and were just minor things but I knew if I didn't speak um, you know then, then if you don't share your experiences then you don't help anyone else and no one else gains from that and why should it only be me that gains so I hope you'll be able to take some of the things away to people you know that have gone through that.